Well, hello there, and welcome. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Okanakabishi. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> to the third episode of Billy Bob the Podcast. My name is Chris Billy Bob Mall. Yes, my last name is pronounced Mall, not Moo, like some people try to pronounce it. I'm not sure how you get the U-L-L wrong. You don't drive down the road and say, hey kids, look out there in the field, see that big old bull with all the cows? You don't go to Thanksgiving dinner, eat way too much, and say, oh, I'm stuffed, I feel so fool. Well, maybe you feel fool. I know I feel like a fool sometimes after eating way too much food. <laughs> Good little trick to remember how to pronounce my last name is just remember full of ball mall. There you go. This episode is titled A Boy in His Truck. I wanted to call it A Boy in His Wiener, but my good friend Jeremy Mosley said I couldn't talk about my wiener. So it's A Boy in His Truck instead. Now I know why he's got the nickname Mino. I'm just kidding. It's actually because he owned a pretty cool El Camino back in the day. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to give a big thank you to a couple of my sponsors. The first being Precision Auto Wiring. You can give them a like on Facebook and a follow on Instagram. Also, if you're planning on doing an LS swap soon or need a wiring harness for an upcoming build, make sure to hit Jason up at Precision Auto Wiring. Next, I'd like to thank Hammered Weekend Wear. You can give them a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram as well. You can also check them out at hammeredapparel.com. Speaking of Hammered Weekend Wear, Ron Perkins, owner of Hammered Weekend Wear and I, are about to embark on another epic journey, this time to Maggie Valley, North Carolina. We are heading out to the 26th annual Southeast Mini Truck and Nats. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been on a few road trips before with Ron. Always quite the adventure. We always have a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. I'd also like to give a thank you to my good friend Rich Fry. After hearing me mention the band Metal Church on the second episode, he was kind enough to send me an autographed Metal Church Frisbee along with a hat and lapel pin. It's kind of funny. My wife says, look, you just started your podcast and people are already sending you something. I said, well, if that's the case, maybe next time I should mention money. So here it is, money. <laughs> if you feel like sending me money, go ahead and send me a private message. I will be more than happy to give you my mailing address, and you can send that right to me. <laughs> Speaking of music, I was kind of sad the other day. I saw that Eddie Van Halen had passed away, age 65 due to throat cancer. I was pretty fortunate. I got to see Van Halen live twice in my lifetime. Once with David Lee Roth. I saw them again with Sammy Hagar. Both times were amazing shows. I'm not sure if it's the first time I ever heard Van Halen, but I do remember way back when I was in uh, around the ninth grade. My dad, he loved to go to secondhand stores, and we had an 8-track player at home. Yes, an 8-track player four cassette tapes and compact discs. He brought me home an eight-track tape, and it was Van Halen's first album. I listened to that album over and over. I loved it. I listened to it so much that my dad finally took it away because he was tired of hearing it. A short time later, one of the first cassettes I bought was Van Halen's 1984. I used to walk to and from school every day. I lived in Aberdeen, Washington. If you're from the area, you're familiar with the Chehalis River Bridge. It's a pretty big bridge crosses the river. I used to walk over that to and from school every day. I would strap my Walkman to my side, pop in that 1984 Van Halen cassette, and I ended up wearing that out. Eventually, it got what we used to refer to as warp. And what warped is on a cassette tape, it was to get this spot in it that it would kind of drag your music. It would go, jump, 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 may as well jump. Anyways, that's what we referred to as warped, and that happened to my cassette tape. 
It's sad to see Eddie go. May he rest in peace. With that being said, if you listen to the first episode, you may recall I mentioned that my grandfather had given me a 54 five-window Chevy pickup for my 15th birthday. I also talked about how I picked some friends up before school. We went by a bus stop, the doors flew open, and a bunch of my friends fell out the door. I think it's pretty cool. Corey Sayer, I hope I pronounced his last name right there, he posted on my Facebook wall, said he really enjoyed that episode. He also shared a story with me about how when he was 8 or 9 years old, his mom had a 52 Chevy pickup. He said that they still have that in the family. They were riding back from town. As he was leaning out the window looking at some scenery, the door popped open. And there he was, dangling by his armpits out the window, his toes tickling the running board. I think it's pretty cool that people listen to my podcast and can relate. Or maybe it triggers a memory in their mind that they haven't thought about in a long time. If you listen to this and you have something you'd like to share, make sure to message me or post it on my wall. Let me know about it. I may mention it on this podcast. I also mentioned in that episode that it was just an old farm truck. It's kind of a beater. It ran good. My grandpa had just rebuilt the six-cylinder engine in it. And if you know anything about rebuilt engines, a lot of times they're pretty tight. The rings and bearings in them and they're hard to crank over. The same went for this truck, and with it having a 6-volt battery, it made it even worse. Most of the time, if it didn't turn over on the first one or two times trying to start it, the battery would go dead and not have enough power to even turn it over. Most days before school, I would jump start it with a battery charger, and then when I'd go to school, I would park on this hill behind the high school, facing downwards, so after school, I could just coast down the hill, dump the clutch, and jump start it that way. If I happened to not be able to find a parking spot, I had to have friends to help push start it sometimes. And well, that was just a little embarrassing. So that went on for a little while, and then my grandpa rectified the situation. We went to a local place called Harbor Battery and got an 8 volt battery, and we converted the truck from 6 volt to 8 volt. He adjusted the voltage regulator and made that work. With the 8 volts, everything worked fine. It just made the headlights and taillights a little brighter, which wasn't really a bad thing. That old truck also had vacuum windshield wipers. And if you've ever driven a vehicle with vacuum wipers, then you know that the engine takes the vacuum away from them. And every time you give it gas, it takes the vacuum away from them, and they slow down or stop. There on the coast of Washington where I lived, it rained an awful lot, and you need your wipers. So I had to get used to driving with vacuum windshield wipers. You drive down the road and they'd go, So they'd slow down as you were speeding up, then you'd shift gears and they'd start working good again. Then you'd speed up and shift gears and they'd start working good again. It pretty much did that every time you slowed down a stop and took off from a stop sign or a red light. Like I said, I got used to it. The truck also has some wiring problems. And in the first episode, I mentioned that I went to Kmart and bought Bondo brand Bondo to do some body work on that truck. Well, good old Kmart also had wiring. And since I couldn't afford a bunch of different colors of wire, I bought a spool of blue wire and I rewired that whole truck one wire at a time with all blue wire. When I got done, I tested everything. Everything seemed to work except the cigarette lighter. I'd push in the cigarette lighter and it would burn and fry all the wiring under the dash. I'm not sure what I did wrong there. I've thought about that many times over the years. I took the wire out, replaced everything, tested it again. It burned it again. I did that three or four times. Finally, I went in and asked my dad and he said, 
Well, what do you need a cigarette lighter for? Just leave the damn thing unhooked. So that's what I ended up doing. I just left it with a non-working cigarette lighter. Still bugs me to this day. I also noticed on the back of it that it had these shackles, and the shackles had a bunch of different holes in them. Shackles are what goes on the back of the leaf spring under the rear suspension, and the different holes will raise or lower the vehicle depending on what hole they're in. This truck had the leaf spring in the closest hole to the spring, so me, being the person I am, just had to know what it looked like if it was put in a different hole. So I jacked the back of the truck up, and of course I put it in the very bottom hole. Well, the truck had quite the rake to it. The back was way higher than the front. Looked like some 70s hijacker hot rod. Well, I left it that way for a week or two and then thought it looked stupid, so I lowered it back down to the first hole. I'm sure there's more than a few listeners out there that can relate to this next story. When you're in high school and you have a vehicle, you always have those friends that try to persuade you into doing something you know you really shouldn't do. Well, this one day at lunch, some of my friends insisted that we drive to the next town over of Hoquim, Washington during lunch. So, of course, we cram four of us into the cab of this pickup. We drive to the next town over. Now, the high school in Hoquim is on the outskirt of town, so it was about seven to nine miles away from our high school. Now, granted, we only had a half-hour lunch, so that means we only had enough time to go there, circle around the high school, and come back. So, of course, we head over there to Hoquim High School, make a loop around the parking lot, and as we were leaving, I decided it'd be pretty cool to do a burnout, or try to do a burnout in that old pickup. So I revved the engine, dumped the clutch, and we heard this clunk, and the truck kind of jumped, made this loud noise, and went nowhere. Well, I tried putting it through every gear. The truck wouldn't move. I didn't know what the problem was. And at that time, we didn't have cell phones. I ended up having to walk to a drugstore, and I had to call my dad and let him know that I was broke down in the next town over while I was supposed to be in school. I wasn't even supposed to take that truck anywhere but to and from school, let alone drive it around at lunchtime. So I explained to him that we were broke down in Hoquim. And yes, you better believe I got an ass chewing. My dad came over and picked us up, brought us back to school, giving us a lecture the whole entire way. And later that evening, my grandpa came down and we got that truck back to the house. Those old pickups have an internal drive line. There's a tube connected to the rear end, and inside that tube is the drive line. I managed to break that drive line. My grandpa just so happened to have another one, so I helped him put a new drive line slash rear end in that old pickup. For the most part, that pretty much took care of me driving around at lunch when I wasn't supposed to be. I'm not saying it totally stopped me. I have a few other stories that I may share later in episodes. Not too long after I had that truck, my parents decided that we were going to move from Aberdeen to the town of Elma, Washington. Elma was a town about 20 miles away, a lot smaller town. It was the end of my junior year. I had about a month of school to finish, if I remember right. At that time, my family only had the Toyota Corolla and the pickup that I owned. We packed the truck full of a bunch of furniture. I mean, packed it. It was loaded. Had it all tied down. I had a couple of younger brothers with me. And as we were heading to the highway, I stopped at a stop sign. And when I went to take off, we heard this big <coughs> chunk. And there was something sticking out the hood. Well, a fan blade had broken off the fan and was sticking halfway out the hood. So there was a big old tear with this fan blade sticking out. I wasn't quite sure what happened at that moment in time. I remember getting out of the truck, popping the hood, and seeing this fan blade broke off. My dad decided that we should just keep on going. I'd just take it easy, and we'd worry about that broken fan when we got to Elma. I continued on. We eventually got to the highway. We were driving out of town. 
I was trying to take it slow because the broken fade on the flan made a vibration on the engine. It was kind of shaking the truck around. I was just trying to make it the 20 miles till we got to our new house. Next thing you know, I see red and blue flashing lights behind me. Yes, I got pulled over. The officer walks up to the truck, asks me for my license and registration, and let me know that he pulled me over because I was going too slow. Yes, I've been pulled over for going too slow on the highway. <laughs> it will happen, trust me. He let me off with a warning, and I eventually made it to Elma. Honestly, looking back, I think he just felt sorry for me. This old beat-up truck going slow on the highway. Bed loaded down full of furniture. I managed to limp the truck to Elma. We got everything unpacked. Once again, my grandpa hunted down a fan for me. We got that fixed. I drove that truck for a short time. Now, this is my grandpa on my mom's side. I think I failed to mention that. His name was Robert Brown. Most people called him Bob. Us kids referred to him as Grandpa Bob. Before moving there to Elma, I knew my grandpa but I never got a lot of time to really hang out with him a bunch. My grandpa, he was a master mechanic. He could pretty much fix anything. He was a heavy equipment mechanic for a lot of years. He was also pretty funny once I got to know him. The very first road trip I went on with him, I was 16 years old. We went on a trip to go pick something up with a car trailer, and on our way there, he looked over at me and told me a dirty joke. Well, up until then, I always just thought of him as my old grandpa. At that time, he was in his early 50s, not too much older than what I am now, but when you're a kid, you always think that your grandpa's an old fuddy-duddy. Or most of us do, anyway. Well, as we were driving to pick up this car, my grandpa looked over at me, and he says, You know what a woman and a frying pan have in common? <laughs> I really didn't know what to say. And he replies, They both have to be hot before you put the meat in. <laughs> well, I just remember riding down the road... I didn't even know what to say. It just was dumbfounded. Here's my grandpa telling me this dirty joke, and I had no idea how to even respond to it. <laughs> well, after that, over the years, we became pretty close. My grandpa taught me a lot about cars, how to rebuild engines. He was a pretty smart man, pretty clever. Taught me how to build a flamethrower with exhaust using a coil and a spark plug. He also told me this story about when he was young, him and his friend had this Hollywood Graham Nash and they would string piano wire through the exhaust, and when you'd rev the engine, it would shatter picture windows in stores. I always begged him to tell me how to do that. He never would. Probably because he knew I'd do it and get in trouble. I really wish he would have told me how to do that. I guess I could probably research it and look it up. Maybe I could figure it out. This one time, a friend of mine had this Ford Granada, and we would go up by the nuclear plant in Sassab, Washington. There was a straight stretch of road that had the quarter mile marked off with spray paint. We'd go up there and race. This Ford Granada, it was just an old beater, nothing we really cared about. One day, we were at my grandpa's. We were telling about racing up there by the nuke site. He told us about this little trick him and his friends used to do. They would take starting fluid, or ether, and they would run a vacuum line up to the carburetor, and they would hide it down the back of the engine, run it inside in between the seats, and they would put this starting fluid or ether can on the other end of the hose, and they would spray it in there like a poor man's nitrous. He warned us about not doing it unless the engine was full throttle. He pretty much told us that we shouldn't do it anyway because it wasn't good for the engine, but I think that was his way of just covering himself because he knew we'd do it and more than likely ruin the engine in that car, which we did, but it was awful fun the first time or two that we used it. We went up there, got on the starting line. They said, go. We would take turns driving that car. We'd hit full throttle, 
the other one would hit that can of starting fluid and that car would just you'd hear all the rods knocking in it and that engine would rev way up and smoke would blow out the exhaust it's pretty funny we beat a few people and they'd always want us to pop the hood so they could look at the car pop the trunk always looking for nitrous or something with that black vacuum line it just looked like another vacuum hose on the engine nobody figured out what we were actually doing that lasted about half a dozen times and sure enough the engine finally went like I said, my grandpa Bob, he was a smart and clever man. Shortly after moving to Elma, I traded that old pickup for a 65 Mustang. I'll talk about that in a future episode. I have some funny stories to share about that car as well. A few years later, when I was about 23, 24, I bought another one of them Chevy pickups for my grandpa. This one was a 51 Chevy pickup. I lowered that one with some lowering blocks and I flipped the front axle on the leaf springs, put some old moon disc hubcaps on it. I owned that for a short period of time and later got rid of it. It was kind of a, unlike the 54 that he'd given me, this one didn't have a rebuild engine. It broke down quite a bit. One time when my oldest son was, oh, a month or two old, I was driving back from Olympia and it broke down on the highway and I had to carry him a couple miles to somebody's house so that we'd call and get help. Like I said, I didn't own that truck for too long and got rid of it. Also around that time, I helped my grandpa restore a 53 Chevy pickup. We put it all back to stock. I was really into custom vehicles, but my grandpa, he was more into leaving them looking factory or stock. I helped him quite a bit on that truck, painted it a factory dark blue color. He always said that when he died, I'd inherit that pickup. <laughs> he said I couldn't get it until he died because he knew I'd cut it up and he didn't want to see it. Unfortunately, I didn't end up inheriting that old truck. That's a story all in itself that's not really worth mentioning. I miss my grandpa Bob. He passed away quite a few years ago. Although he's no longer here with us, I still have all those memories of him. I like to think that if there is a heaven, he looks down upon me and smiles, proud of all the things I've accomplished, and, and happy to see that I've put all those useful skills he taught me to use. I miss my grandpa. May he rest in peace. Since those days with my grandpa, I've always kind of had a soft spot for the 47 to early 55 Chevy pickups. I love to think that someday I'll build another one, but to be honest with myself, that day will probably never happen. That pretty much wraps up this episode. I thank everyone that took the time out to listen. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope maybe it made your mind wander back to think about your first vehicle. Maybe you still have your first vehicle. Perhaps you're young and dreaming about your first vehicle. Possibly it made you think about your grandpa. Maybe your grandpa's still alive. If he is, give him a call. Go visit. Enjoy him while you still can. If you can relate to any of the stories about my first vehicle and you want to share them, please feel free to do so. Send me a message, post it on my wall. Maybe I'll mention a few of them on an upcoming episode. Speaking of future episodes, my next guest will be an international guest, all the way from up north in Canada, eh? So make sure to tune in here in a couple weeks for that one. You're not going to want to miss it. Don't forget, if you don't want to miss out on an episode of Billy Bob the Podcast, you can follow on Instagram or like me on Facebook at Billy Bob the Podcast. You can also now listen to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, Google. If you prefer to listen to them on YouTube, you can do so at Billy Bob the Podcast. Once again, until next time, get off the couch, quit milking your mule. Yes, mule this time, not mole. Go out to the garage. Build something, take a trip, go on an adventure, because when we meet up, I want to hear all about it. I will talk at you later. I'm out of here.